Uh, if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and open it to Psalm 96, where today uh, we're going to continue uh, in our Proclaim series through the Psalms. Again, as you uh, we started last week, the goal of this series, and really, man, I would argue, uh, man, the goal of every uh, Sunday that we gather, but just, man, I believe our goal as the people of God is that we, uh, man, first when we gather together is that we want to magnify the name of Jesus. We want to be transformed by His Word, not simply for the sake of personal transformation, although I do believe there is a component, like as we are met with the reality of who God is, and we're going to kind of press into some of that today, there's this reality that we are transformed by Him and through His Word. And so, uh, But it's not simply for the sake of our own transformation, but for the sake of our calling as the sent ones of God to then go and proclaim the good news to others until the whole world hears. I shared it last week, kind of our two really theme passages as a church is Matthew 28, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that God has commanded through His Word, knowing that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, and that He's always with us, even into the ends of the age, right? Uh, And also, what we know is that we are called to be a people that proclaim, right? We are to be a people that are His witnesses, first in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what we see in Acts 1.8. And so what we know is that, man, as we are met with the reality of the Word, as we sing praises to God, man, today, at the end of our time, you're going to hear, hey, okay, now you are sent, Center Church. And so we are to be the sent ones. You see, the Bible is not an insular story that can be engaged, that's just to be engaged by a few. Rather, it is to be an expressive story that is to be proclaimed to all. And really what the Psalms do, I would say, man, the entirety of God's Word does is pushes us uh, and gives us this perspective and equipping for what proclamation is to look like in our daily lives. And so what we want to do uh, over these next few weeks is to open to these specific Psalms. They call us to proclaim the gospel to not only ourselves as a reminder of our own need, but with the outward focused posture on the nations. You see, the good news needs to be shared. And it's our call, actually, it's our commissioning to share it. And we're to do so, church, until the whole world hears. And so let's just jump right in. I'm going to begin by reading Psalm 96, verses 1 through 6. It says this, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all Gods for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. 
Okay, so what we see in this, as this psalm begins, as does many of the psalms, it is with a call to declare or sing to the Lord, right? Like we saw it last week, like it, it said shout for joy, like sing praises to Him over and over again, right? Again, the psalms, one of the things I think the psalms do so well, really in all of them, is that they call us to how are we want to worship, but also how are we to proclaim. And really what I love about it is we see that we are to proclaim no matter the season. So you see that we're to proclaim the glory of God in psalms of lament. We're to proclaim the glory, glory of God e- even as we they cry out uh, for rescue. Uh, but we specifically are looking at these psalms uh, because, man, they call us to proclaim or to declare through song. What we see three times in the first two verses here is that we would sing to the Lord a new song. We would sing to the Lord and then the beginning of verse 2. Again, sing to the Lord. Now note the focus of the psalm though. You see, the focus of declarative praise here is upon who? It's upon God. He is to be the focus of not simply our worship. God is to be the focus of all worship. You see, God, and we're going to see throughout our time today, is the only one worthy of worship. And in the end, He will be the only one who will receive worship. Therefore, our worship, not not only as individuals, but as the church, should be both God-focused, should be God-focused and not self-focused. I don't know if you know this, but you and I are not worthy of worship. We make crummy gods and whenever we, because uh, I'm like while we know that or may know that, that we don't, you know, we make, uh, we are not worthy of worship, man. Sometimes we try to step into that role, right? Sometimes we seek to be worshipped. And yet, man, every time we do that, if you look through scripture, every time someone does that, it always gets messy. He is the only one that's worthy of worship. And so we see that we're to sing to the Lord. But, but look at what we're to sing. It says, sing a new song. Now, what does it mean to sing a new song unto the Lord? Well, I believe that this new song is pointing and directing both those singing and us reading it today to the messianic hope of the Messiah and the establishment of his kingdom. You see, Jesus is the new song we sing that is victory forever. He is the new day, the new mercy that God's people long for, the, the, the mercy and the new song that we know about, and, and He is the one of whom's return we long for. He is that new song. Think for a moment about the songs of your childhood. I want you to take a moment and just think like and uh, just what's your earliest memory? Like what was the earliest memory of a song that you were just like it was just really popular and you're like, I remember, you know, the first time you were like, man, that song is really a hit. Any of you remember the song? What was, what was it? Queen of Hearts. Achy, breaky heart. <laughs> Can't touch this. Done. <laughs> So what we're seeing here is uh, there's a variety of errors, which is okay. But also there is a variety of locations where we grew up in the songs that we heard. 
Because I thought about it. I thought about the first time I remember. Now, there might have been other songs. But the first time that I remember, man, this song is a hit. And it's never going away. And guess what? The guy had a mullet. And it was achy, breaky heart. No lie. In my notes right now. <laughs> like, I remember vividly where I was the first time I heard that song. And I immediately, I, I didn't know how to line dance. But, like, I was ready to. Like, it was like, bam, nah, nah, nah. I was like, this is it. Right? Exactly. I'm from Podunkville, USA. Amen. Uh, like, that was it. But as I thought about that, and like every one of us, like every song, like some of those songs like that we thought, man, this is going to last, right? Like Billy Ray Cyrus only had one real hit. The other one, he just rode the coattails of another guy about 30 years after that song. But I thought, man, that song's going to stick around forever. And in some ways it does, but like we just kind of bring it and it just needs to be buried, Right? Like, it was just a bad song. Like, when you listen to it, you're like, yeah, like, why did I think that was great? You know, there's probably other songs that, like, now you listen to it, you're like, oh, that's not even worth singing. Like, it's just bad. But you see, Christ, you see, here's the song that when sung that doesn't wear out. It's this new song or proclamation that really, if you look at it, is in stark contrast to the old songs of pagan worship. You see, the psalmist is going to combat false worship throughout the psalm. But you see, the focus is to be by the proclamation of the good news of who God is and what he's done to save his people. Oh, let that be the song that we sing. We begin to see this... Uh, This focus of proclamation at the end of verse 1 when it calls for all the earth to sing to the Lord. Again, the specific focus of all the earth is for all the peoples of the earth. You see, we are all to proclaim His worthiness. Next, in verses 2 and 3, we're given further examples of proclamation and that we are, again, to sing, we're to bless, we're to tell and declare about the saving work of God. But look at how this works itself out in the passage. It begins, again, by saying, sing to the Lord. Our direct, it is a direct praise to God. You see, our worship is, again, God-focused and God-forward, meaning that there is to be an eager advancement to bless His name. Which leads into the next part where he says, tell of his salvation. The the wording here describes the call to preach or proclaim. Now, Now let's think for a moment in this call to tell of his salvation. Let's first look at the scope. Uh, the scope is not just uh, pastors preaching on a Sunday. It's not just to a limited few. No, the scope is all the peoples declare this. Tell of His salvation. So all who follow God are to do this. But also, we are not just to do this from 10 a.m. to 11.15 on a Sunday. It says day to day. Until the whole world hears. You see, we are to be a people of everyday proclamation. I shared it last week. You were always proclaiming something. You were always proclaiming something. So what 
news do you consistently proclaim? Like if you were to just look at your, the last week of your life, what news were you consistently proclaiming? And so we see the scope, but look, again, look at the focus. The focus is on all who are lost. All who need to hear this good news. I heard one commentator use, he, he, when he described this, he says, we are to go to the heathen as the focus, which might seem like a little much. But the reality is, is that we are to see proclamation as an exhortation to tell all who are lost. But again, it's not simply that they just have bad directions. Like lostness, according to Scripture, is death, and they're headed to eternal damnation, of which the only hope is sal- of salvation is rescue in Christ alone. I think we miss that. I think we miss that. We just kind of brush it off. Like, we think of just lostness as just lostness. Well, they're just being... No, like, that should move us. But is it moving us? Like if Jesus is their only hope for rescue, are we being moved to share that with them? The actual verb that's used in this text and talking about declaring and things is, is bizarre. Uh, it is, it is this call to proclaim. It's actually a, 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 a rare used Hebrew word in the Scriptures, but it actually describes the duty of a herald who precedes a victor to bring a report to those who wait for the good news from battle. In Greek, this word is euangelion, where we get our term evangelism or evangelist. A herald. Church, the call is still the same. And it's not just for a few. We are all called to herald this good news. We are to tell of His salvation day to day. Because again, it's good. Like God saving me in His saving work uh, when I was going into the eighth grade at Howard Payne University. Man, that that was good news then, but it's still good news now. Because guess what? Like I still need to realize and sit in the reality of that good news. But not only is it good for me to know that, man, it's good for me to tell others. We are to declare or make known His glory among, again, look at the word, the nations. We're to declare His glory to the peoples. See, this has been God's plan all along, but we see in Genesis 12 that it's not a new plan. He tells Abram that he will be the father of many nations or many peoples. And through him, all the nations of the earth will be what? Will be blessed. Not by Abram specifically, but by Jesus who would be in the line of Abraham. You see, these three verses, as we look at them in this, really, he wastes no time giving this push to say, hey, you were called to proclaim and sing and shout and declare and tell. But the question becomes, well, why? We get the answer for why in verses 4 through 6 in really two ways. We see that He is the the only true God and that He's the only one who is great. So why do we proclaim? Because, man, He is the only true God and He's the only one who's great. 
For great is the Lord, verse 4, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. 4, verse 5, all the gods of the people are worthless idols. They're old songs. They're bad songs. They're poor songs that do not proclaim good news. They're worthless. You see, there's this contrast here between the one true God and the worthless idols of pagan worship. You see, these gods are nothing but worthless and dumb idols that can't fix anything, but are just a man-made band-aid of hope that those who worship try to find security in, but are only fooling themselves. You see, all throughout Scripture, we see these Pictures of just uh, uh, idolatry, right? Like in Exodus, like Moses is on the mountain. And what do the people do? It doesn't take them long to say, hey, Aaron, we're going to give you all our gold chains and you're going to make something for us. We're going to worship that thing. And over and over and over again, we see this turning to other things. But I believe that's a battle for our worship as well. I think my favorite story in all of Scripture of how this kind of battle plays out is Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal, right? Like, uh, so the, Elijah says, hey, let's just decide this thing. So you 450 guys get together. I'm going to stand over here. We're each going to have a sacrifice. And we'll see whose God shows up. He says, look, I'll let y'all go first. And so they get everything set up on their altar and they begin to cry out to their God. And man, nothing's happening, right? And Elijah sent back and he's like, hey, you might want to cry louder. Your God might be asleep. He just already starts poking at it. And so they cry all the more, but nothing happens. He says, well, maybe he's just busy. Which, uh, some would say that maybe he's using the bathroom. So, so cry out even more. Like maybe he doesn't have time for you. So they cry out all the more. And then what happens is as they're doing this, they begin to cut themselves. You see, an idol will always require you to destroy yourself, but will never give itself for you. So what happens after a while, uh, it's Elijah's turn. And he says, okay, he gets everything set up. And he says, now I want you to dig a trench. And I want you to fill that with water. And I want you to pour water all over the sacrifice and all over the wood for the offering. And after everything is drenched and soaking wet, he prays. And man, God shows up. And he consumes Everything. You see, an idol is anything we put our hope in other than God to give us what only God can ultimately give us. You see, God, on the other hand, is great, the psalmist says. And because of his greatness, he is worthy of our worship. I love what Stephen J. Lawson, when writing about this psalm, he states the scope of this worthiness well. I read this this week. He says, the unrivaled worldwide rule of God demands the praise of all people everywhere. You see, if the Lord were a mere, were a mere regional deity or an idol possessing only limited dominion, then he should be adored only by the few who live under his localized government. But there is no restriction to God's global dominion. Therefore, it is too small a thing, the psalmist argues, that God should only be praised by the remnant of Israel. Such would be far too small a congregation to declare God's true greatness. 
This is the God we worship. And this is the God who we are to proclaim. And the way we see his greatness shown specifically is in the creation. He says, God created the heavens. You see, while all worthless idols do nothing and are only dead, God has shown His splendor and majesty and His strength and beauty in what He has created. Scripture says the heavens declare what? The glory of God. And so in light of seeing our call and the reasoning for worshiping and proclaiming that salvation is only through Christ, let's continue by reading verses 7 through 10 says this. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Alright, so in light of all that has been shared thus far, this psalmist calls us once again to proclaim by ascribing or giving to the Lord the glory and worship to His name. Again, the focus is not on your name, but His name. But look at who the psalmist calls to do this. He says, oh, families of the peoples. Again, the call is for all peoples to declare and proclaim the glory and strength of God through salvation. The idea or intent here is, is this idea of an intent of close relationship. You see, God, according to one writer, has made of one blood all nations. And guess what? That's good news for us. Not that we would just remember that. But that we would then, because of that, go and proclaim Because if it was just for the remnant, it would be far too small a congregation to declare His greatness. Man, we are a part. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a part of that declaration. And so to put our hope in anything else for strength or to give anything other than God alone glory for salvation and security is again the worship of foolish and dead idols that are of no worth. You see, our calling as God's people is to proclaim... The hope that Christ is salvation. But it is also to point out in love and grace false worship. We, as Jeremy shared in our Nehemiah series, you're to know the real thing so well that you can spot the fake. So that you might then go and proclaim the real thing to others by exposing the fake. As God's people, we are to know the real thing in such a way that when we declare it, we we can spot the fake, but then we can tell others in love and grace, hey, that's not the one true God. We ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Verse 9 is then a call to worship the Lord. With the reality of His holiness in view, which leads to a healthy and humbling fear of the Lord. You see, as we worship God and are met with His holiness, we are to realize some things. 
The first thing we realize is we are, as you are met with the reality of who God is in your worship is one, that you are not God, right? Secondly, we realize that we have a brokenness we cannot fix. Next, because of that brokenness, something we come to know and understand is that we are deserving of God's wrath. And yet because of the good news of what Christ has done, we have hope in Christ. He gives us life and He empowers our worship. And then He emboldens our proclamation. It's in this boldness that leads to our final call to proclaim in the text. And so let's close. I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. It says this. Say among the nations. Listen to this. The Lord reigns. Yes, the whole world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar in all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For He comes, for He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. Okay, so in light of our call to proclaim and the focus on who God is and what He has done is the reason for our proclamation. The psalmist does what he's been doing all along. He calls for us to proclaim the gospel. You see, if there's one thing that I would hope you leave with after this five-week series, it would be this. If you want to leave with a plan, it says as follows, proclaim the gospel. And then after you're done with that, just proclaim the gospel. And then if you need something else to do, proclaim the gospel. And then if you look and say, okay, I've done that a bunch, then until the whole world hears, proclaim the gospel. Look at verse 10. It says, say among the nations, say among the peoples. Again, it's missional in focus. Every tribe, tongue, and nation in scope. Look at what we're to say. The Lord reigns. And it's not that He just started reigning. Rather, this is enthusiastic call displays that He has always and will always reign. It's not that God's reign followed the resurrection of Jesus. No, that just solidified His victory once for all time. This call to the reign of God also reveals to us that His reign is not threatened by anything that has been or will be. It says that the world is established. And He has established it. Nothing can stop or supplant His reign. For Christ has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He has established His rule and it shall never be moved. And as the text says, He shall judge in righteousness and perfect uprightness in all things. Guess what? Jesus is the good judge. And so for us, I think that should actually free us up a bit. Our job is to proclaim and quit trying to hold the place of judge. No, may we proclaim, 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 and let Him take care of that. And so today, do we live as if He reigns? Today, do we proclaim as if He reigns? You see, the way that you live and what you proclaim reveals what you believe about His reign. 
The way that you live and what you proclaim reveals what you think, what you believe, where your hope is in light of His rule and reign. And our proclamation is the good news of Christ's reign and rule over all things, but specifically over sin, death, and the grave. We proclaim the only true way of life that comes by submission to the One who sacrificed Himself and rose in victory. Again, every worthless and dead idol will require you to give up your life for it, but will never give itself in return. But Christ gave up Himself for you so that you might have life in Him and in return worship and proclaim the beauty of His resurrected reign until the whole world hears. You see, this picture of what we know to be the reign of Christ leads the psalmist to look forward in worshipful anticipation to the day when all the earth will rejoice and declare the glory of Christ's rule and authority. You see, today, church, we are to proclaim and declare the glory of His rule and authority. And tomorrow, unless Christ returns, it's the same. And on to the next and on to the next. Every day we have, we are to rejoice and declare the righteousness and faithfulness of our Savior and King. And so again, how do we do this? We proclaim. Until the whole world hears. I think so often we just overcomplicate it. Well, it's got to be this way, it's got to be that, and the weather's got to be perfect. Guess what? We're in Texas, like it's never perfect, like, and we're in a part of Texas where it's always humid, even in the wintertime, like, like, but we want to just kind of set that, like, it has to look like this, and the song has to be sung like this, and the lighting has to be like this, and all, it's like, no, we proclaim. We sing of the new and everlasting song of His salvation. We bless the name of the Lord every day. Of our lives in word and in deed. We proclaim His salvation and His continued work of salvation. Which the the sanctification that is taking place in our life day to day. We declare His glory to all until the the whole world hears. We proclaim the good news to yourself daily. And turn from worthless idols. And by grace and the power of the Spirit call others to the same. May the banner of your life, may the banner of our church be the proclamation that the Lord reigns. But I will say this. To proclaim Him, you must know Him. And to know Him, and to know how you might proclaim, you must be in His Word. Man, I would add, you, you need to be connected to the local body. In a manner, in the manner of discipleship. We should be reading and learning and growing as an act of worship, but also as an avenue of growing in our craft of proclamation. He's inexhaustible. There's always more to learn. So may we be a people. They go after that. I got a letter in the mail yesterday. Um, 
Some of y'all know Trevor Renninger went to, he's in basic training right now in the Army, and uh, I got this in the mail, and uh, about a year ago, actually, I saw in uh, Facebook memory, I got to baptize Trevor out here, uh, and man, it's just a great time, and uh, just really excited for, uh, yeah, this opportunity he has, but I just wanted to read some of this letter, because man, I, I think this just really, uh, it, it reflects what we're called to as a people of proclamation, that we're called to just, man, as we, you know, no matter where we're at, that we're called to be a people like, man, I'm just going to step up and I'm going to proclaim. It says this, Dear Kyle, Hi. I hope you and your family are doing well. Basic is great some days. Basic is great. Some days are better than others. But I haven't felt like quitting yet. In this time of nonstop training, I've turned to two things to keep me going. One is everyone that is at home that is waiting for me to come back. I can't wait to come back as a soldier. Two is God. I've turned to Him more times than I can count. And every time things seem to improve. It seems the more I let Him into my problems and struggles I may be having, that the weight and the stress leave. Listen to this. I even started my own Bible group in my platoon. It's small and we don't do it every day, but it seems to improve everyone's mood. They've even given me a couple of nicknames to go along with this new job I seem to have just fallen into. Also, when you get the chance, can you make sure everyone in the church know that I'm doing all right? I thought I missed church when I was working at Smitty's. But now that I'm far away from these people that brought me so much joy and made me feel a part of something, I just miss them. He goes on to say, P.S. My nicknames are Preach and Chap. I think it's funny because I'm still new to God. But who knows what this leads to in the future? Trevor's not here. But I think based on the psalm, I know what it leads to. Whether he's a pastor or not, he's called to proclaim. He asked me some questions that I'm not going to read to you. And the thing he's like, I don't know what to do. Everyone's looking to me. And I, he's like, Kyle, when you started telling people about Jesus, were you afraid you would say the wrong thing? And I was like, yeah. Did you say the wrong? Yeah. <laughs> but like that willing, like as I read it, like I was just encouraged in my soul. And man, that, that, that he just said, man, it's just something I fell into. And so one, like I was moved just if you, like, God, I just pray that you give Trevor wisdom and that he would pour over your word. And that he would be that light, that he would proclaim the good news of the gospel I mean, as I, I read that, and as I, I think for each one of like we all are called to the same. So what's in front of you? Is there a willingness to say, God, I don't know. There, there seems to be nothing. We got to just open hands, Lord. I just, man, whatever it is, just give me opportunity to proclaim. And then from that, when you have quite like part of that is like you're going to get asked questions that you never thought you would get asked. 
So you need to be in the Word and you need to be asking questions. But that we would see that call. And I think the, the neat thing is, is that in the midst of this, like, I think he's just, he's just being faithful and he, he doesn't even have a full picture of what God's calling him into. But I can't wait to write him back and be like, hey, these, these, this is what I would do. And it's going to be much of the same. Proclaim. Preach the gospel. Until the whole world hears. And so I want to invite you just into a time of response. A time to reflect. And I'm going to have the team come back up. But man, I, I want you to think for a moment. About what you're living for and what you're proclaiming. And is revealing the, 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 the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. Maybe to begin to think about those around you. That maybe uh, is God calling you to, to. Who's God calling you to proclaim this good news to? And you begin to do that. Even if you don't have all the answers, even if you're like, just ask God, I just need you to, you give me the words to say. I'm going to be in your word. That we would be a people to just simply proclaim and declare that we would tell of his salvation day to day. Because it's good each and every day. And as you reflect on that, I want to invite you in remembrance and worship to remember that Jesus is not any dead idol. But He is the one who came and said, no, while everybody else, every other idol would say, you sacrifice and you give of yourself, it can do nothing. Jesus said, no, I, He came and said, I'll sacrifice for you. He gave Himself for you. So as you share and as you take uh, the juice and the bread, that you would remember what He has done. But not just simply remember, that you would remember that uh, in that calling, that we are called to go and tell others. To share that story, that good news story of what He has done. May our lives be marked by proclamation. May our lives be marked by this type of worship. A worship that seeks to share with others the good news of the gospel. And so God, I thank you. I thank you that we have the opportunity to share. Lord, I pray as we uh, sit and reflect that by your spirit we be reminded, that we would be emboldened, God, that you would uh, do a work, a transforming work in each of our hearts so that, God, that we would not be able to stop declaring how good and how great you are. That anyone, like we would just be a people that just tell of your salvation day to day. And that we would live in light of that day to day until the whole world hears. May that be what we are known for as a church. That we would be known as a people who proclaim your goodness and your glory. To proclaim that you are the only one worthy of our worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.